Well, let me start off by giving you some good news. So I've got a good news message for you, and tell me if this sounds like good news to you or not. The good news is, is that in order for us to have eternal life, to be a Christian, to know that we're going to heaven, what we do is we believe in Jesus Christ, and guys, we get to be circumcised. We have to be circumcised in order to have eternal life. In order to have eternal life, does that sound like a good news message to you? It doesn't to me. In order to have, have eternal life, what we have to do is put ourselves back under the law. We have to live out the law. We have to follow certain customs. There are certain foods that we cannot eat. Does that sound like good news to you? No, it doesn't sound like good news to us. But that's what Paul is saying in this letter to the Galatians. He says, I'm so quickly amazed that you're deserting the good news message of Jesus Christ for a different gospel, which is not a different gospel at all, because gospel means good news. And the message that these Judaizers were taking to the Galatians is a message of circumcision, of law, rather than the good news message of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that we have eternal life. So, this morning, let's look at an overview, and we're going to see why is it important to have a clear gospel message, a biblical gospel message. The first reason is, is because a distorted gospel is not good news at all. In verses 6 and 7, we're going to see that a distorted gospel, one that adds anything to it, is not good news. And then next, we're going to see a distorted gospel brings a curse. It brings a curse to us as those who are delivering the gospel because it's a curse for those who are listening because we're leaving those people out there in the world dead because they think that by doing certain things that it gives them life. But what we do is we believe in Jesus Christ and we get eternal life. So we're going to see that the, that the gospel, a distorted gospel, brings a curse. And then finally, we're going to see a distorted gospel does not please God. There's a message out there that pleases man, and there's a message out there that pleases God, and we have to stick to the gospel message that's found in God's Word, the one that Paul got directly from Jesus Christ the one that he gave to the Galatians, and the one that we are to preach even today. So turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1 if you're not already there. As I said earlier, our focal passage this morning is going to be on verses 6 through 10, but we read the first 10 verses so that we can get a flow into the passage. We see this letter is written by Paul, and who in the first two chapters, he defends his apostleship and the purity of the gospel message that he preached. And rather than go into some lengthy um, introduction, he gets straight to the point. In the first five verses, you see the gospel message. You see the death of Jesus Christ. You see the resurrection of Jesus Christ in those first five verses. And so he gets right to the point because this is the most important message in all the world. This is the message that brings people from death to life. And so he gets right to the point. He gives them both parts of the gospel right there at the beginning. He also gets right to the point, letting them know that his apostleship was not man-made apostleship. He was sent through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Later on in verses 11 and 12, which we didn't read, he does the same thing with regard to the gospel that he preached. It was not from man. It was not a man-made gospel. He got his message directly from Jesus Christ. In chapters 3 and 4, he defends the gospel message of faith, not works, using biblical and theological information. 
Then in chapters 5 and 6, he talks about the Christian life as a walk of faith based on the Word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is there that we saw the verse that I said at the beginning. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. And we're not to use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but rather to serve one another. And so we are to use our freedoms to do the things that are pleasing to God. And we're going to see that that's what we're to be doing. In verse 4, as I stated earlier, we get a glimpse of the first part of the gospel message. Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins according to the will of the Father. What Jesus did here on this earth was what pleased the Father. He did the will of the Father, and we're going to see that we are to do the same. What did Jesus do on, the, on this earth? He did the will of the Father. He came as the Father came up with this plan that Jesus Christ would come and reconcile man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus did while he was here. You know, God came up with the plan. Jesus Christ fulfilled the plan and the Holy Spirit reveals the plan to unbelievers so that they may believe in Christ and have eternal life. So now that brings us to our focal passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. And we're going to answer the question of why is it important to have a clear gospel message. And the first reason is, as we see, a distorted gospel is not good news. Look with me at what Paul says in verse 6. He says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him, that's God, who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Paul was amazed. He was surprised as he had just presented to them back in on his first missionary journey around 46 to 47 AD, he presented them a clear gospel message. Now, here at 49 AD, he's writing this letter to the churches at Galatia, and he says, you know, I gave you a clear message, and I'm surprised that you are so quickly deserting that message. Are you surprised that some of the things that people do in this world, in some of the ways that this world is going I'm surprised of a lot of things. I'm surprised, you know, a, about a year or so ago, whenever I walked in and Lauren, she was in there coloring on a piece of paper and then she hit her hand and it made color on her hand. And so she thought, well, that's pretty cool. I'm just going to color on my hand. And I said, Lauren, it's not good for you to write on your hand. So let's don't do that. We write on paper only. Okay, dad. So I leave the room. I come back in. It looks like she got in a fight with a zebra and a leopard and there's spots and stripes all over her skin. And I said, Lauren, did you not hear what I told you? I told you that it's not good for you to write on your hands. And so are you not listening to what I told you? And that's what Paul is doing. Or did you not listen to what I told you? By believing in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. By faith, you are justified and set righteous by Jesus Christ. It's not by anything that you have done, are doing, or will do. So why are you listening to these Judaizers who are bringing you this different gospel? And so... Whenever it says that they are deserting him, it's not talking about them losing their salvation because we know what do we get at the moment we believe in Jesus Christ. We get eternal life, and by definition, eternal life goes on forever. So they're deserting him, not talking about losing their salvation because it has nothing to do with what we do, have done, are doing, or will do. It's based on what Jesus Christ did. It's not us that saves ourselves. 
It is Jesus Christ. It's God the Father who does the saving through the work of the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. So if we get thrown off track, if other people confuse us, we never lose what God has given to us, eternal life. In Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, it says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So even if we quit believing, even if we get off track, thrown off track by false teachers or people who are teaching the wrong thing, it's not us that keeps us saved. In John 10, 28, Jesus said, and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. There is no one strong enough, powerful enough to get you out of God's hands with their words, with their actions, with anything, because God is the one who is holding on to us. So even if you quit believing, if you're confused about the message, you'll never lose what God has already given to you, and that is eternal life. He goes on in that verse and says, who called you by the grace of Christ. It's all the grace of Christ. In Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And so it's by grace. Everything is by grace. Rather than for a different gospel, which is really not another. But before we talk about this different gospel, let's make sure we know what the biblical gospel is. When we talk about the gospel, we, we say that it has two parts. The gospel has two parts. It has a message and a response. And whenever we're talking about the message, it also has two parts. So let me ask you this. What is the gospel message? If someone were to ask you, what is the gospel message? What is this good news message that you have for me about this person, Jesus Christ? Could you answer what that message is? The answer is, is that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for all sin, and he arose from the grave to conquer death. So just as the gospel has two parts, the message has two parts. It's that Jesus Christ died, that's part one but that he rose is part two. And so that is the gospel message. He died to pay for our sins. He arose to conquer death. That's how he has the ability to give you life because he has conquered death. So let me ask you this. Where in the Bible would you go to show someone the gospel message? This is a question that you should be able to answer without a doubt. If I'm gonna go and share the gospel message with somebody, don't I need to know where it's found in the Bible? Well, let me tell you, if you don't know, it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, or chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And Paul begins in verse 1, and he says, the gospel which I preached to you. That's how we know this is the gospel message that Paul preached. And in verses 3 and 4, he gets to the nuts and bolts, the main key points, that Jesus Christ died and that he rose again. But I love how he starts that off. For I delivered to you as of first importance... It's of first importance because it's the most important message in all the world. It's the most important message in all the world because it brings people from death to life. It brings people from being separated from God for all eternity to being together with God for all eternity. It brings people that are separated from you as a believer for all eternity to be with you for all eternity. That's why it's the most important message. That's why Paul doesn't mess around with a... With a 
uh, hokey greeting or anything and, and talking about how great these Galatians are and things like he does even in, in other um, letters that he's written. He gets right to the point. I want you to understand that what we're dealing with here is life and death. And so you've got to have this message clear and then you've got to take this message to the world. And so, for I delivered you as of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, proving His death. And then three days later, He arose from the grave according to the Scriptures. And then it goes on to say that He was seen by many, proof of His resurrection. And so, the gospel message, where is it found? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 and eight, one through 8. But what is the proper response to the gospel? And rather than saying the proper response as I originally wrote, I think we should put there, what is the biblical response to the gospel? Because we want to use the words that the Bible says. Because a lot of people, whenever you ask them, you know, do you know for sure that you'll go to heaven and why? Sometimes they'll tell you because I'm a good person and things like that. But some people will get a little more religious and they'll say, well, because I walked down the aisle um, whenever I was 13 years old. Because I got baptized. Or because, oh no, I remember what it was. I was in vacation Bible school and that's whenever they told me that I needed to ask Jesus into my heart. Those things are not biblical. Those things are not what saves you. We are saved by believing in Jesus Christ for eternal life. That's what Jesus gave as the answer. Whenever he was talking to Nicodemus in John 3.16, what does he say? Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It says in John 6.47, he says, he who believes in me has eternal life. And that's what Paul is doing in this letter to the Galatians. He's writing to them. He has given them the gospel message that by faith alone in Christ alone, they have eternal life. They're turning away from that gospel and listening to these Judaizers who are mixing them up and confusing them and throwing them off track. And he says, Remember what I told you, that it's by faith in Christ that you have eternal life. He spends basically four chapters doing so. And in one verse, if you turn over to Galatians 2.16, he just tries to make it crystal clear to them that what it is that gives you eternal life is nothing that you do. It's not your works, but it's faith alone in Christ Jesus alone. He says, nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ, so we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Okay, knock, knock, knock. Do you get it? Three times in one verse, I'm telling you, it's not by your goodness, your works, keeping the law. It's by faith in Jesus Christ, in him, and him alone. Works can never save you. They never have been able to, they never are able to, and they never will be able to. The gospel is so simple. So if you're here today and you don't know, if you were to die today, if you would go to heaven, let me tell you how you can know for sure. 
It's not by changing your lifestyle. It's not by waiting until I'm done and walking down the aisle. It's not about being baptized. It's by sitting right in your seat and understanding what it is that Jesus did for you, how he died and rose again, and how he offers you as a gift everlasting life. You believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus Christ, and he gives you as a gift eternal life. If it was based on our lifestyle or anything that we have to do, I know all of us would be in serious trouble. But this was the different gospel that the Judaizers were telling the Galatians. Be circumcised, don't eat certain foods, obey the law, and you'll know that you're saved. But going on in verse 7, Paul tells them this different gospel is really not another. Look with me again at verses 6 and 7. He says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you who want to distort the gospel of Christ. It's really not another because gospel means good news. And the message they were giving is not good news. Circumcision, law, obeying certain customs, those are not good news. It was a message of circumcision and law rather than faith in Jesus Christ. Only there are some who are disturbing you. These were the Judaizers. They were disturbing. They were confusing the clear message that Paul had given to them. We have people who distort the message today all the time. And you ask them the question if they know if they're saved or not. And you know what the answer is that they'll tell you? They don't know. Boy, I want to listen to this person that doesn't know if they're saved or not so they can tell me how I cannot know if I'm saved or not. That doesn't sound like a good news message. That doesn't sound like a message that I want to listen to. That's not biblical. It's not good news. God wants us to know that we're saved. 1 John 5, 13, these things I've written to you, believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. And they want to distort the gospel of Christ. They want to change it. They want to make it unclear. They want to make it based on yourselves rather than on Christ. In doing so, they probably didn't say that Paul didn't know what he was talking about, but he just gave them part of the message. You believe in Christ, but you also have to do these other things. We have people that say those kind of things even today. Yes, it's faith alone in Christ alone, but faith is never alone. So what? Faith is never alone. Yeah, you've got to have good works. Otherwise, you don't know if you really had faith or not. Maybe you didn't really believe. And so they try to confuse the message of Jesus Christ. That's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus said in John 6, 47, John 3, 16. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I love what Bob Wilkins says. He says, John 3, 16 says whosoever believes in him. It doesn't say whosoever behaves in him. It's not whoever lives a good life has eternal life. It's whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It doesn't say have life until you mess up, until you do 10 sins, 20 sins, 30 sins. He says you have eternal life. And so that is the good news. The gospel is that Jesus died and rose again. The proper response is whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. People distort the gospel all the time, and many of them do it on purpose. Those people who say that, yes, it's faith alone, but faith is never alone. 
In order to be saved, you must believe in Christ and be in church every Sunday. How many of us are here every single Sunday? I'm getting ready to go on vacation. I'm going to miss a week or two. I guess I don't count. Who You have to believe in Jesus Christ plus give 10% to the church. You have to believe in Jesus Christ and live a good life. But how good? For how long? You know, and so it leaves us doubting and wondering. Let me tell you, if you add anything to the gospel, not only do you distort the gospel message, but you limit the work of Christ. Think about that. You limit the work of Christ. What Jesus Christ did on the cross gets you 99% of the way, but he didn't quite do enough to get you 100% of the way. You need to do something yourself. You need to live good. You need to do this or do that or keep the law. And so that's not what Paul says. And he wants to clear that up. Galatians 2.21, he says, I do not nullify the grace of Christ. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. If there was any other way for us to get to God other than through his son, Jesus Christ, do you think he would have sent his son to be sacrificed, to be spit on, to be scourged for us? No. So let's don't nullify the grace of God by adding works to it. Let's say that it's faith alone and Christ alone that God sending his son, Jesus Christ, the payment that Christ made on the cross is enough. God says that, 1 John 2, 2, he is a satisfactory payment. Not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. God is satisfied with the payment that Jesus Christ made. There are other people who distort the gospel without even realizing it. I thought for just a minute that maybe even my own daughter was going to to mix up the gospel message. I asked her the other night, whenever we were in Chili's eating, and I said, Lauren, you know, the gospel's supposed to be so simple that even a child can understand, and I know Brandy does a great job of making clear the gospel to our children here at Stillwater Bible. And so I asked her, I said, what does it take for somebody to go to heaven? And she says, you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And I thought, man, great job. And then she said, and... And I thought, and? What are you going to say? She said, and daddy, you either have to be too sick to live here or too old. And so I thought to myself, okay. So it is simple enough that even a child can understand. In order to have eternal life, all we have to do is simply believe in Jesus Christ. But as I was saying, you know, many times, even pastors, they get people confused and they don't do it on purpose. They'll say something like, you know, that the gospel is all about Jesus Christ. It's believing in him and him alone. They'll quote Ephesians 2, 8, 9. By grace, you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Nothing you can boast about, brag about. Now, here in just a few minutes, and we're not just a few minutes away from this message, but um, in just a few minutes, whenever I conclude my message, I need you to walk down an aisle. I need you to come up here and make a public profession of of your faith. And next week, we're going to baptize you, and then you'll know you're set and ready for heaven. Well, 
in one sentence. He's just messed everything up. I thought you just said it was by faith in Christ alone. Now you've given me a laundry list of three things to do. And what am I going to do over this next week? I'm going to be scared to death because if I got to wait until I get baptized in order to know that I'm going to heaven, I better just go lock myself in a room and just stay there for a week until we get to that baptismal next week. So pastors, even sometimes they mix it up and they don't even think about what it is that they're saying. I was reading this from Lewis Berry Schaefer. He said, the lost are saved when they hear the gospel under divine illumination. That is when they hear and believe. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. As certainly as this is true, it is the preacher's part to expect that souls will be saved while he is preaching rather than after he has concluded his message and has given the unsaved something to do that they may be saved. So we need to be clear when we present the gospel message to people. We need to make sure that they understand that the good news is that Jesus died and rose again. And by believing in him and him alone, we get everlasting life. James talks about how teachers will incur a stricter judgment, so we better be clear on the message as pastors. But we also see in this passage that everyone who proclaims the gospel is to be clear, and this is what Paul is going on to emphasize in the next section in verses 8 and 9. Why is it important to be clear on the gospel message? Because a distorted gospel brings a curse. Look with me at verses eight and nine. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say now again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. That we includes Paul, an apostle, an angel, a heavenly messenger, or any man, that includes you and me. It doesn't matter who messes up the gospel, there are big consequences to be had because of it. Here's a quote from Dr. Alan Cole. The outward person of the messenger does not validate his message, rather the nature of the message validates the messenger. We've heard it said, I read it on the internet, so it's got to be true. But the same thing happens to pastors. Well, You know, I heard from this pastor who has his own TV show about X, Y, and Z, so it has to be true. So what you're telling me is not true. Or I heard it from this pastor who has his own radio broadcast, so it has to be true. Or I heard it from my home pastor that I grew up with all of my life, and he taught me over and over and over, this is what it is. Then it has to be true. But let me tell you, people are imperfect. Only God is perfect. So what do we have to do? We have to be like the Bereans. And I love what that passage says in Acts 17, 11. It says they were eagerly taking in. They were eagerly receiving the message. And so I'm asking you, what are you doing here this morning? Are you here eagerly anticipating the message of Jesus Christ? Are you seeking it? Are you digging for it? Or are you checking off a list of things to do? On Sunday morning, we go to church, check. On Monday morning, I get up and go to work, check. Tuesday morning, check. 
Or are you here eagerly anticipating what God has to say through his perfect word? But then it goes on and says, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. Maybe you even come on Sunday mornings and you're hungry for the word of God and you want to see, hear what's taught. But are you daily examining the scriptures to see whether these things are so? Do you take your Bible and you put it back in the car because I don't want to forget it next week, so I'll just leave it in the car so I make sure I have it for church next week? That's what a lot of people do. A lot of people don't carry a Bible anymore and they forget that they actually have the Bible on the device that they'll never leave at home without on their cell phone. Yeah, this phone is for... Um, the rest of the week is for making phone calls, text, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things. But on Sunday morning, I also use it for a Bible. We're to be examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. You can't take the words that come out of my mouth or JB's mouth or any pastor that you see on TV as truth without taking it back to God's word and making sure it's truth. So we need to be examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. Because preaching a gospel that's contrary to the gospel that Paul preached, that he talks about in the book of Galatians, that he got directly from Jesus Christ, leaves you accursed. And accursed is the strongest word that he could have possibly used here. It means to be seen by God as an object of destruction. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be seen by God as an object of destruction. Because what is confusing the message do? It leaves those people out there spiritually dead, spiritually separated from God for all eternity. The gospel is good news. It's a message that we should be excited to take. It's a message that we should be giving to those who are in our sphere of influence, those who we love. It's not about changing their lifestyle or changing what they do. It's about believing in Jesus Christ for what he's offering, eternal life. We cannot mess up this, mute, this message. We cannot confuse it. We cannot add to it. It is simply by believing in Jesus Christ that we get eternal life. If you are not 100% sure on this message, Get with me, get with JB, get in my 412 class on Wednesday nights, coming to church an extra night of the week. You know, that's a novel idea, but we're to be examining the scriptures daily. So let's get here on Wednesday nights. Let's see what is the gospel. What does the Bible say? What does Peter or John and Paul and Jesus say the gospel is? What do they say the Christian life is? You get to hear all of that information. You get to see how to present the gospel to other people. Whereas the law has a curse for those who try to keep it, the gospel has a curse for those who seek to change it. So let's be clear on the gospel. Let's stick to the clear gospel, the biblical gospel, the one that Paul preaches to the Galatians found in this book. You know, some people say that the, Paul, the gospel that Paul preaches is just too easy. It's got to be more than faith alone in Jesus Christ. I have to have a part in it. There are no free rides, no free gifts here in this world. They think they have to have a part in it. Other people say the gospel that you preach is too narrow. There's got to be more than one way to God. But what does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to God than through the person of Jesus Christ. So this message is the biblical message. 
So we need to stand for the biblical message, the good news, the one we have to be bold to proclaim to those that we love because we're not here to please men, but rather to do what Jesus did, to fulfill the will of the Father and do what was pleasing to Him. Look with me at verse 10 and we see why we are to be clear on the gospel because a distorted gospel does not please God. He says in verse 10, for am I seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. The message that pleases men is not the same message that pleases God. JB talks about the message that pleases men is the message that is from the devil. It's the message that you do good and God will love you. But the truth is you can't do good and God already loves you. The message is not do good and God will love you. But what does John 3, 16 say? For God so loved the world. Jesus didn't die for good people. He died for the entire world. He didn't die for good people while we were good. It says, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Don't be ashamed of this message before men. Proclaim this message as it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes in Christ for what he's offering, eternal life. If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. The gospel divides. We've seen that on Sunday morning. Some believe, some don't believe. It divides. In John 15, the world hates us because it hated him first. Realize we are bondservants of Christ. We are not our own. We've been bought with the price. Therefore, we are to glorify God in our bodies. We don't do this in order to be saved, in order to stay saved, in order to prove we're saved. We do it because God so loved us that he saved us. We do it because we love those who are around us so much that we want them to be saved, to be with us, to be with God for all eternity. That's our purpose. That's how we're going to please God is do what he has us here to do. The message we have is good, do, good news. So let's proclaim it. Don't worry about what the world has to say, but let's proclaim the good news message of Jesus Christ and let's be clear on that message. So what have we seen this morning? There are two messages out there. One that is good news and one that is not. One that brings eternal life and one that brings a curse. One that pleases God and one that pleases men. So let's take the message that pleases God to this world and let's be clear as we proclaim it. So some applications. Number one is let us proclaim a clear gospel message along with the proper response. Let's make sure we know what is the message. What is the message that we are to be proclaiming? The message is, is that Jesus Christ died on the cross paying for sins and he arose from the grave conquering death. What is the proper response? And I said earlier, what is the biblical response? The biblical response is the response that Jesus gave. Believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. It is a good news message because it's what Jesus did rather than what we do. And then number two is let us live our lives in a manner that is pleasing to God. If you want to please God, you take the message that he has given to you and you proclaim it to those who are in your sphere of influence, those who you love. And don't put off tomorrow what you can do today because you never know when it's going to be too late. 
So you've got the message. You're clear on it. You've got the response. You know what it is. You've got the message. You know where it's found. So take that message and find someone that you know, a friend, a loved one, a neighbor, and share the good news message with them even today so that we're living in a manner that is pleasing to God.